Episode 80, Hey Love Podcast. I do this whole passive-aggressive, like, so, hypothetically, what is the school stance on that? Like, what are they? Well, she goes, our stance is great. It's like, we're here to help. Well, so that's with alcohol. So, like, what about, I don't know, let's just say, I don't know, someone got pregnant. And she's like, same thing. And I go, okay, well, because that's me. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging you, the reflective woman, in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces through the grid of God's grace. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey Love, can you think of a time off the top of your head, what's the most difficult conversation you've ever had to have? The voice on that teaser belongs to my dear friend and sister from another mother, Lauren Hugh Young, and she's about to tell you about the most difficult conversation she's ever had to have in her life, which means you are about to be swimming in grace in just a pair of minutes because hers is a story that is brimming with so much grace. Take my word, you will feel like you are drowning. Lauren found herself in a very vulnerable place in her early 20s. She was a shining star in college with so much potential, majoring in ancient languages, so, you know, off the charts brilliant, had everything coming up roses all along her path. Her future looked nothing but shiny and bright. And clearly, God's goodness has been chasing her down all the days of her life, as you'll hear in a minute, but not without some unexpected twists and turns. Lauren has so much passion and wisdom for a woman her age. It's like she's a 65-year-old woman living it up in a 25-year-old's body, (laughs) but she's not I don't think she's 25 anymore. She's a little older than that now. I think she's probably 40-something now, but she has a unique perspective on what it means to be adopted by God. And she learned at a tender young age how important it is to have empathy in relationships if there's to be any depth. She shows us how living in vulnerability with others actually takes less energy than hiding from people. And she speaks very highly because she's lived the benefits out of having other women in her life. She talks a lot about mentors and other voices that um, helped her along her journey. If you know Lauren, you know that she is what we in our little Nashville community would call the it girl. She's this beautiful, tall bombshell with long, blonde, flowing hair and her husband, Mark. And her husband, Mark, is this full-blooded Chinese Adonis. And let me tell you, together they are way cuter than Barbie and Ken ever thought about being. And the kids that Mark and Lauren produce are absolutely gorgeous. In my younger days, I would look at a family like this and think, oh, here come the beautiful people. But I love these people because like you and me, they have their own brokenness, their own weakness, their own imperfection. And just like you and me, it all makes for a great backdrop for God to show off His beauty and His goodness. Did I ever mention to you that I always used to wish I was blonde? Yeah, especially as a kid. Like, I always thought when I was a little kid (laughs) that my skin was eventually going to turn white, like all the American kids in my class. Oh, it's so funny to think back on that. Anyway, back to Mark and Lauren. They're fellow mentors in our church marriage ministry, and we have so enjoyed getting to know them better as we're co-leading a small group together. If you have a re-engage class happening in your town, go. No matter what stage you're in of marriage, whether you're newly married or celebrating your 35th anniversary, and if you're a single gal who has a desire to be married someday, pray for a spouse who will be willing to get involved in a group like this. Lauren mentions today one of our old pastors, Jeff Helton. Uh, She mentions him a couple of times. He played a really big part in Lauren's healing. I really don't know many people here who have not benefited from Jeff's guidance over the years. We, that's Lauren and our mutual friends, Kathy and Lisa, are always on the lookout for the next Smoking Section concert so we can boogie down to all the best R&B songs from the only decade that ever mattered, musically speaking, the 70s. 
So we're talking Stevie Wonder, Chaka Khan, Earth, Wind & Fire. This is a band made up of top session players who do these gigs just for the love. So it's all cover songs. It's it's not, Stevie Wonder doesn't actually come and sing at these shows. (laughs) Although he might someday, I don't know. If you ever do make it down to Nashville, which I know you've been wanting to do, check out the Facebook page for Tim Akers and the smoking section. That's spelled T-I-M-A-K-E-R-S and the smoking section. And plan your next trip around a show. I promise you will not be disappointed. Buy your tickets online. Come early and find me on the dance floor. Lauren will probably be there too. So come say hello to both of us. Here she is, one of my favorite dancing buddies, Lauren Hugh Young. My brother went to Brown Academy. He was sort of the black sheep, so I kind of came along and had that whole codependent thing of like, hey, I'm the good kid. Like, I'm, yeah, I love him. Like, he's my brother, but like, let me like redeem it for all of us. Like, I, oh, you know, wow. can make good grades and like do my dance and oh. like do my little. <laughs> you perform. Yeah, I'm going to perform, basically. Mm. Yeah, let me qualify that I never danced. Um, <laughs> but you dance now. But I dance now. Yeah, girl. <laughs> I so, love yeah. dancing with you. So fun. Yeah. So what So what was that like? Was there a time when it all fell apart and you thought, I can't oh, yeah. do this anymore? What was it like? That's probably the biggest part of my story. Absolutely. Because I was a believer from a very young age. Um, grew up in a Christian home with amazing parents and always in church and trying to walk out their faith authentically. And like, So I got to be really cynical in high school. Middle school, maybe it started, there were the seeds of it in like eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, but it hit full force in high school. I became that like untouchable, I don't give a crap about any of y'all, like super hard exterior, but inside, absolutely insecure. Absolutely. I mean, all this is hindsight, right? But like, I never would have said it then. In fact, I was confronted with it by people who loved me. Like my mom would be like, you're so angry. You seem so angry. What are you angry about? I'm like, I'm not freaking angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's steam coming out of your Yeah, ear. there's some smashing plates with my head and oh. doing all sorts of craziness. And mm. I just, I was, I was so angry. I was so cynical. Um, and it just grew. I mean, we mm. know, right, how that becomes uglier and uglier and the world is worse and worse and mm. depressed. And if it's not processed and dealt with. Right. Yeah, and I wasn't processing anything. Mm. And my parents were desperate to just sort of make these stabs of, like, stabs in the dark for help. Like, do you want to talk to someone? And, of course, I was just shutting them down, like, so hard, you know. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my mom for, like, all that garbage in the past. But... You know, and she wouldn't even would say, like, is this a, you know, like, I, it's normal when you're adopted to, like, have these. And I'm like, it's not about that. Like, I'm fine. You know, I'm saying all of this. That now I look back and go, it was 100% about that. Oh, I was not God. fine. Yeah. So, um, but I really thought it was okay. Like, I really thought, specific to the adoption, I remember feeling sorry for the children who were natural born. You're like, your parents got freaking stuck with you. Oh, like that my parents awesome. handpicked me. <laughs> so, so sweet. So I'm not kidding. I really felt sorry for other kids. Like I was chosen. I was chosen. <laughs> the elite. I love it. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. And as a 40 something now, just now, like wow. in the last few months. Wow. I'm just wrapping my hands around the fact that. Not, not in any way blaming my parents for this, but the reality is they never let me grieve it. Mm. They never let me grieve because it was all positive. It was like, we picked you. I mean, you were, I remember as an adult mm. exploring with Jeff Helton some in my 20s about being adopted. And I do remember at that point recognizing like some of the abandonment, some of the fact that like, okay, if she had loved me that much more, she would have kept me, but... Mm. She didn't. So some of that hit hard in my 20s. Wow. And I remember having a renewed sense of gratefulness and gratitude and just that depth of experiential knowledge when we talk about God adopting us into mm. His family. That I was like, 
wow, I can really, I really, um, you know, like gospel transformation, like going through recognizing our orphan side. I was like, oh man, I could so relate. I've got this orphan thing down. Like, so I remember kind of relating that to my mom who again, just godly woman, real faith, like tons Mm. of wisdom. I remember saying something to her about the fact that I can relate to that because I was an orphan. And she was like, oh, you were never an orphan. And I was like, no, well, I mean, okay, like I was never in an orphanage, but like I was orphaned and so like abandoned. And so, Ah. and she was like, no, you were never, you were, I mean, like we went back and forth five or six times and she was like fighting me, like wouldn't let me feel it, wouldn't let me go there. This is as a 30 something. And I remember being like, okay, okay. And just kind of like wide eyed walking away being like, she has no idea. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle it. And that's, that's okay. I mean, like, mm. I get that you are afraid for me to hurt. Wow. Like, you're afraid for me to take the full, but, like, I'm okay mm. to, take, to, to feel that. Like, I so want to what, feel the fullness of all what that. What does that do? Like, when I'm thinking about times that I have felt someone was diminishing my hurt, does it help? No. No. It's a rewounding that you have to forgive all right. over again. It's like, it makes it worse. Yeah. Or like if you, you know, so like I have a history of past sexual abuse from when I was little. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, I remember never wanting to have to tell my mom because I didn't want her to feel mm-hmm. responsible in any way. Or like, I didn't want to hurt. I didn't want her to have to hurt for me because mm-hmm. I have kids. Like I can imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. So which is actually kind of messed up. It is messed up in and of itself that I didn't want to tell her. But anyway, I was like, if I don't have to, I'm not going to tell her. But one day it came out. Now, keep in mind, this is adult again. Like, I'm 30 probably when this happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I basically, I mean, I told her about it, not in great detail, but and I let her kind of, anyway, it came up. And so I, I did, I did, I was honest with her. And it was again, like mm-hmm. she couldn't, she couldn't, it was too much. Like it was too much. Mm. I was, I was too much mm. is the lie. Right. So then I immediately was like ashamed about like, I'm too much. They can't handle that. So we've never spoken of it. Yeah. yeah. And she lives Audience, here. Carthy's mouth is on the floor. Oh. Yes. Right. Yeah. You've oh yeah. We're so close. Never talked about it. <gasps> it's That's more than amazing. she can like. It's too much. She just can't go there. Yeah. Or maybe she thinks it's too much for me. I don't know because we haven't talked about it. Well, you sound like you really have compassion for her. I do. That is really sweet, Lauren. Well, I mean, she's amazing. Mm. Like, she's allowed to muck it up every once in a while, too. Mm. Not do it perfectly. Yeah, that's really merciful of you. I still long for her to understand. Yeah. I still long for her to say that was so wrong. Mm. Yeah. And to enter into the hurt with you. Yeah. That empathy. Yeah. Mm. It's complicated. So back Thank to you the. Thank for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. I go deep or go home, baby. I love it. Go deep it. or go home. We don't mess around. So here I am in high school, not having addressed any of this, right? Past history of sexual abuse that I'm not even aware of at that point. I've so mm. repressed it. Like, I didn't have the, the memories of that experience. Um, it wasn't a chronic thing. Mm. What happened to me, it was more of a one-time deal. And, mm. um, and I didn't, I always had the memory of it, but I didn't... It, it was normal, like quote unquote, vague, to me. Oh. It was like a, you don't realize how messed up it is. Wow. Until like I was in my 20s and I was like, whoa. I remember saying oh. it out loud for the first time to someone and going, that's messed up. Mm. Those weren't the words I used. But you could were, finally. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. You could finally see this was not, not normal. normal. And mm. I had remembered it all along. Mm. And I just remembered it as normal, which speaks to the strength of how we get jaded and molded by our experiences. That if you go through life thinking that that kind of behavior is okay yeah. for somebody to do to you. Yeah. Uh-uh. And at the same time, there's something to be said for the coping mechanisms survival. that God gives us, helps us to survive. 
Because you couldn't have handled all that. Yeah. The processing was in perfect timing. Yeah. And it was his timing. It was perfect. And then I can't remember exactly how you worded your question, but it was so good because I'm getting around to the answer, which is really where did God get my heart? Because I had been a believer, right, since I was little. And I was growing along, you know, there were all these like moments I could take you back to that was like, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm more and more, I'm understanding, understanding. And yet at the same time, there was this rebellion growing that was like, I'm going to do, I will do it my way and still try to be God's girl. Like mm. this subtle rebellion and sometimes not so subtle. And mm. this amazing dichotomy between this is who I am with my parents and with my church and with my God people, and this is who I really am. Ooh, so this that took a lot of energy. Massive amount of shame. The depression was huge. Oh. It was just because it's so weighty. It's so much to hold. It's so yeah. much to, it's exhausting. Mm. I was physically exhausted all the time. Mm. So when I went into college um, at Wheaton, I started dating this guy who made me feel like a queen. Like oh. I, he was that guy that like, if he had gone to my high school, everybody would have wanted to date him. And I would have been like the wallflower in the corner. Like nobody's ever going to notice me. And then he like <laughs> really noticed me. And I just really? remember being like, I <laughs> get him while you can. Cause he is amazing. Wow. And so like this chance is never going to come around. So we start dating and he was so, um, and I, I obviously didn't see it then, but he was super emotionally manipulative. Oh, dear. Verbally abusive, physically abusive. Mm, um, no. Lost my virginity with him. Like, it was a train wreck. <sighs> so mm. whatever seed of depression was happening before, which was no seed, it was definitely blooming. This was like full-blown, like, wildfire of suicidal thoughts, like, just terrible wow. I mean, didn't go to class, would just sit in the dark in my room. Oh, dear. Yeah, it was bad. And you still were not totally in touch with your no. orphan child yet? No, not at all. Oh, my not at, Not even acknowledging. So it was just like a dark, vague cloud. I'm a terrible person. I'm too much. So sorry. Yeah, it was just, it was like fertile ground for just Ooh. any sort of lie. I'm believing it. I'm a terrible person. Mm. Worthless. Just end it That's now. That's how Jesus found you. Yeah. How did it happen? So that was my freshman year. And I kind of lived in that space for several months. I mean, I, there was a point where I shaved my head. Like, really? Yes. Shaved, cut my hair super short, and bleached what was left, like, white. Like, are we trying to say something here? Is anybody, like, throw me a rope? Mm. So that's when I met Mark. His roommate in his apartment was my calculus lab partner and there were very few people there because it's early right it's the uh preseason so nobody's at school yet so there's nobody to hang out with so you're done with three-day practices it's like what am I going to do I mean I'm tired but like I want to hang out with somebody so yeah. I went over to hang out at their house I don't know Mark I just knew that my calculus lab partner I'm like oh you guys have an apartment I'm coming over to hang out <laughs> so Mark met me and he said and he'll tell you to this day he's like when you walked in I've never heard an audible voice. He was like, I heard, like, that's the girl you're going to marry. And his response is wow. even better. His response was, I, I don't think so. <laughs> like, this, this one, like, she's all sweaty and all oh, soccer clothes crazy. and, like, short hair. Like, that's not really his type. <laughs> yeah, but we became really good friends. And oh. so we started hanging out all the time, whatever. So by November, he... I went home for Thanksgiving and he handed me, like he drove me to the airport, you know, one of my good chums. And then um, <laughs> he had a letter for me to read, which I mean, it was a very long letter, but he, he's like, you know, open it on the airplane or whatever. So I open it and it's essentially the very long letter said, you know, you're the girl I'm going to marry. <gasps> so we should start dating. Wow. Yeah. That so is incredible. I do whatever I can like, I'm lying to my parents about a test I've got to study for, something I've got to fly home early. I mean, so badly <laughs> wanted to get back. Because I'm, you know, whatever, in love. Mm. So. And this other guy had faded oh, away. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I was forced to break up with him. My mom found out that mm. I had had sex with him. Mm. Because I was so broken. Like, she finally was like, oh, my gosh, that's such another story I need to tell you. Because mm. it's so. Oh, Please do. It was. It's awesome. Mm. Okay. So, back up. This is all part of the 
process of God getting my heart. So I started dating him, you know, like August of that freshman year. Mm. And my mom, I mean, I got home because I didn't come home much. I mean, I came home for probably like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then, you know, spring break. I'm still dating him. My mom was just like, what is going on with you? And like, we were not close. Like I, I had previously said, like we are, I'm putting up big walls all over the place. Don't let anybody in. I was so broken by the time she asked me, she was like, I, I literally was tired of running. I was just mm. exhausted. And so it was like the proverbial cracking the door into mm. me, like to just go, can you handle this little bit if I give it to you? It's kind of a big bit, but let's see. Mm. So I remember sitting on my counter in my kitchen, in my, in my parents' kitchen, which was sort of like my random perch. I would always like hop up on the kitchen counter. So I was sitting up there and I remember her saying, she's like, she just, you could see it as a mom, you just see her like, wanting to help me but not knowing what's wrong yeah and then all of a sudden she's just like just tell me you're not sleeping with him because I mean here I was like to them I was like the good kid like I was the good student the perfect kid like I never drank or did drugs or I never I mean as mm. far as they knew like you know like I was the one who did all these good things and did it right and like not true so anyway she goes just tell me you're not sleeping with him and I couldn't I just didn't respond I wow. couldn't. Normally, my normal, I would have been like, Psh, no, like, of course not. I couldn't respond. Like, I just sat there and Because you were at that point of brokenness. And I wish my mom were here mm. to tell you her side of the story. This is going to make me cry. Because I remember the weight of it being so heavy. The mm. disappointment, just being a disappointment. Mm. Not because of anything she was saying or doing in the moment, but of what I knew, quote unquote, to be true. I ran to my bedroom and look at my hands are shaking talking mm. about it. I remember just tunneling into my bed and on, I didn't even know what to expect. I just, I knew it wasn't gonna be good. Like now she knows, you know, it's like the cat's out of the bag. You can't hold up this facade any longer. It is, and there's no freedom in it. It was all shame, it was awful. And I remember my mom coming back because my bedroom's like in the back corner of the house and she came back to my bedroom and laid her hand on me Aww. and just started like stroking me. And she held me like a baby. I was 19 Aww. years old and she held me like a baby. Oh, so beautiful. And to, to hear it from her, she told me later that in the kitchen, when I answered her by not answering her, and then I ran off, she was so angry. She said, I literally wanted to come into your room and hit you. She said, the Spirit of God came over me and said, your job is to love. And she said she had to like stop. And then she said, I could do nothing else. Wow. All I wanted to do was hold you. Oh. I was like, so gorgeous. blew me away. So That is evidence of the Holy Spirit alive and kicking. She would tell you, she's like, it is everything opposite of what I would tell you I would have done. Oh. It's not what she wanted to do. Amazing. Yeah. And it was it changed my life. She extended grace to you. Yeah. So I broke up with him, but I was still so hurt. That was when I shaved my head was after that. It was a month later I shaved my head. Met Mark. By Thanksgiving break, he said, we need to start dating. You know, you're the girl I want to marry. So anyway, he was coming out of a really wounded place too. Mm. And we became each other's safe place in a really codependent way. Mm. The physical part of our relationship was immediate mm. and intense. Mm. Um, so nine months later we found ourselves pregnant so the next summer i went back now this is third year go back for preseason for soccer and we have to do this it's like a cattle it's like a cattle stampede at the health center you've got all your fall sports like volleyball football soccer we're all in there together and they're like weaving us through this health center you know your, drop your form off here see the nurse here get your blood blood done here take your urine sample here like Guys, girls, we're all like in this line, like moving through the health center. On the very last table, there's this nurse and she says, is there anything on the form? You know, is there anything that's not on here that you didn't ask or that you want to? 
I mean, it's supposed to be confidential, but there are people standing like five, ten feet away. Oh, dear. So she's like, is there anything else on here? And I'm kind of like, now keep in mind, Christian school, like I'm in my mind at this point, I'm like, this is the crap you get kicked out of. Like the, the myths are extraordinary mm. you know the people who've been kicked out for drinking or the people who've been kicked out for oh yeah she got pregnant and she's kicked out you know you're like i'm gonna get expelled so anyway oh, i was like wow. and i didn't know i was pregnant i <sighs> suspected i had taken a test and it was said positive but then i had like all this like other physical like things showing that maybe i wasn't like i told her i was like i kind of had some weird stuff happening like maybe and so she was like okay they set me up with a gynecologist. I'd never been to one that was so crazy and weird and scary as oh, I yeah. can imagine. Mm. And so, and the process wore on for two weeks mm. because they knew almost immediately that, yes, you're pregnant. But then they weren't sure if I was miscarrying because oh. it looked like I was miscarrying. So this like long process of, are, am I or am I not? What do I do? Where I'm wow. in the middle of school. I'm in the middle of preseason, like two, three a day practices. Were you feeling sick? No. I mean, I was feeling sick. <laughs> not to do but with any pregnancy. I was terrified. So when I found out for sure that the baby was healthy and alive, it was the, I've never felt such a mixed emotion. It was oh like, God. oh, shoot. Not the word I used. <laughs> and, oh, miracle of god Aww. that i am looking at this little because it was an ultrasound at the, the to know for sure we saw this little casper the ghost with the little oh. nubs with the little heart beating and you're like oh wow. my gosh and mark was there with me for that one you were 19 or 20 years old i was 20 so i remember going to her name was edie schultze i'll never forget her she was the dean of women at wheaton totally changed me this is the point where god shows up that I realize, <laughs> obviously he's been there all along. Mm. I go to her office because now I know I'm for sure pregnant. I went in between classes to her office, requested an appointment with the Dean of Students. This is the legendary Edie Schultze, who's going to be the bearer of you are kicked out of this school because you are a whore. Like oh. that's what I was waiting for. Yikes. And fully expected. Oh. Older single lady, you know, like a, one of those types where you're just like, oh, yeah. Dread. Yeah. She's going to be so mean. Oh, no feeling. No. <laughs> Drop the hammer. So I, I do this whole passive aggressive, like, so hypothetically, if somebody <laughs> were, like, I do this whole charade. I'd be, I'm terrified. Kidding. And I do this whole thing. I mean, I go down. I went down the road of alcohol first. I was like, so if somebody got caught with alcohol, like, I mean, obviously it's against the pledge. So like, what is this school stance on that? Like, what? Are, and she was like, well, and she's just answered me. Like we had this great conversation. She was like, well, you know, typically it depends on how it happens. So she's like, if, if they come to us and say, look, I've got a problem. This is happening. I can't stop. Or I want to do this. Wow. Or, it's something I've been doing. I know it's wrong. She goes, our stance is great. It's like, we're here to help. And I was like, okay, well, so that's with alcohol. So like, what about, I don't know, let's just say, I don't know, someone got pregnant. And she's like, same thing, you know, da 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 And I go, okay, well, because that's me. Mm. And she literally comes practically across the desk, like comes around the desk, oh. grabs my knees, and is like at my feet, oh. weeping and praying for me. That is the most gorgeous thing I've ever heard. I was undone. Lauren, so, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I am so not worthy. I'm filthy. Oh. You know, and she's hugging me and holding my feet, my dirty feet, and like so praying beautiful. for me. And I am just undone. And wow. she leads me into very difficult walking out. Very difficult. Have you told your parents yet? Okay, here's how we're going to do that. Here's oh, what you need to do next. She wanted to help. Yes. And you're going to meet with me a couple times a week for prayer so I can pray for you. And let me hook you up with an amazing counselor who, side note, turns out later, I found out through Jeff and Laura Helton, my counselor that I ended up, he hooked me up with. Lori Cook. She's awesome. Changed my life. Jeff and Laura is one of their best friends from church. 
crazy. Yes. When they were up there. Right. Of course, I didn't even know them then. Oh, my. But that, so she hooked me up with a counselor that I went to see three times a week. Oh. And I met with Edie a couple times a week for prayer. And she invited me to her house. She was living with a single mom and her daughter. I mean, I so I lived wow. that. And it was so hard. I, it didn't, obviously, like, it's not like she said that. And then I was like, okay, great. Everything's so much better. I'm going to have a baby now. And no. Mark and I are going to get married. Like, no, no. Yeah. It was, so then we went to tell my parents. My parents were like, this is the short of the story is my dad said, do you want to get married? We're sitting at my kitchen table in Brownwood, Tennessee with my parents. And Mark was right there. Oh yeah. We're, yeah. The two of us, my mom and my dad. Uh, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my oh, life to whoa. this day. Girl. And my, my dad said that and Mark immediately said, I knew she was a girl I wanted to marry. That's why we started dating. And then dad looked at me and I'm such a daddy's girl. Like I am complete daddy's girl. So he looked at me and I was like, I don't know. I thought I did, but I don't know. Now I don't know if I'm making this decision because I'm pregnant or like, I think I, I'm not sure. Like I thought I, I was a mess. I was hormonal the and crazy. Was just, oh. I was so confused. I just didn't want, and then that's part of my story and my history is that my birth mother practically has the exact same story, same situation, and she chose to give me a home with two parents because she knew she didn't want to marry my father. And she'd rather me, that was the story I was pitched all along, which I don't think was a pitch. I mean, I think it was the truth that right. she wanted, she went through a lot of trouble to have oh. me naturally and to give me the best start possible. And so I'm going, what's, maybe I should be unselfish like she was. Cause remember this is before I've actually processed the fact that she abandoned me. And so I'm thinking. <laughs> she was unselfish. The, right. She was which she was. Right. And. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right, I'm looking for the win. What's the right. right thing to do? Oh, girl. So my dad said, well, you're confused. I can tell. And it doesn't help that you're in love. So y'all need to break up. You need to not see each other. He typed out a contract and made us sign it. Sent Mark home the next day, paid for him to fly back a day early. And we, so we were on this tiny campus where, you know, we had the same friends. We'd pass each other on the quad. He'd go the other way. Like we did not talk. He was seeking counseling. I was seeking counseling separately. Two months. How, girl, you are kidding me. I'm pregnant with this child. You, and no one knows. Oh, and OFYI, <laughs> P.S., no one knows. None of his friends, zero, none of his friends. My roommate, only for safety reasons. That was it. And Edie and my parents. I mean, you know, like friends, my community, no one knew. Students. I'm very indecisive and very codependent and very all that, right? I'm so, the chief. Yeah. So not having him there to go, well, what do you think? We should what do you think? You're I had to like make a decision without him and without any so friends wise. and without any it was I mean, I had counselors and um, but I did not have my normal support staff. Mm. <laughs> I did not have my normal committee. It's like of the voices. crutches were just removed Everything. from under your Everything. arms. Yeah. So it was very, very God and very specific and powerful, dramatic. But I went on a fall break vacation with my parents. I'd gotten to the point where I realized that if we weren't going to get, first of all, I wasn't going to get married just because I was pregnant. I'm not going to, two wrongs don't make a right. We're not doing that. Smart. Then I kind of had to come to this decision of would I marry him even if, well, like, what? Because what do you do? You get married, and then what if you lose the baby? Or like, you get married, you have the baby, and the baby dies like a week later. Wow. Then you're married to this guy that you married because of the baby, and the baby's not even there anymore, and you're trapped. So, so like, you had clarity. I Getting had away to, from him yeah. gave you the clarity you needed to really think about the different all the scenarios options and, and options. Scenarios. It was and you were able to make a decision. And then what? And then what to do about the baby? So then I decided if we don't get married, now I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just telling you where I was at at the time. I had decided firmly that if we weren't getting married, that I was going to get the baby up for adoption. Probably because that's what my birth mother had done for me, and I was at that time only thankful for that. 
only thought that that was the best and only way to do it. And I remember sharing that with Mark, even though we weren't really talking, there were a couple crucial things, you know, where we would have points of contact, um, but pretty much not talking. Mm-hmm. I remember sharing with him that decision, obviously, mm-hmm. because that's important. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no. He was really? like, if you try to give up the baby for adoption, I will adopt the baby. And he was like, you're not giving what? our baby up. So I was like, okay, table that. We'll decide later. I mean, but I, in my mind, I had Lori, my counselor, went to Jeff's church in Glen Ellen. And <laughs> she had lined up two or three families for me to meet when I got back from fall break on the schedule. Like they were on my calendar, these meetings with these families from her church to what? adopt this, potentially adopt this baby. Can you imagine life without? Don't even go. I can't even. Wow. So, on fall break, God's grace <laughs> to not even make me walk down that road. I can't even begin to think. Oh. But on that fall break was when I knew that my, the reason why I couldn't decide, so I, my, my decision was, do I marry Mark or not? That was the decision. Because I had already made the decision, if I don't marry him, I'm going to you know, get a baby up for adoption. So, do I marry him or not? And I couldn't decide, and I just was so unclear and so foggy. And I realized it was because I wanted to please my parents. Mm-hmm. I knew, quote unquote, I knew that if we got married, we'd always be second rate. It never, you know, my dad is Lebanese, like back to the big fat Greek wedding. That is my life. <laughs> that is my family. That's my Lebanese family. Awesome family. But that's, so my dad wanted to throw, I'm his only girl, I'm the princess, like you throw an enormous wedding. He had talked about it since I was a baby, like having a big wedding for me. Oh. It's all going out the window. Like if we get married, we are going to be the sort of like, yeah, yeah, they got married. Mm. Like they're never going to really love him. Like it wouldn't be the same as if I had done it the right way, quote unquote. Mm. And then where they, they would never feel that way about Mm. him, about us, about our child. Mm. And when I shared that with my parents, all I can tell you is that their reaction, I knew to be authentic. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I had been wrong, mm-hmm. that they would not be that way. And I knew they would, be, they would love him like a son. That is so beautiful. And when I knew it, immediately I knew I wanted to marry him. Wow. It was like with that removed... I mean, in that instant, I oh, knew there it was. there was 100% peace. Like, I knew I wanted to marry. If it was up to me and I didn't have to worry about anybody else, I knew I wanted to marry him. Wow. And I never wavered from oh. that point on. So, did, how long after did you get married? It was 10 and a half weeks. Are you kidding? Oh, it only gets better. So, <laughs> this is like, you can have some serious editing to do, girl. It's <laughs> great story. So, you got married here. Yeah. Big wedding. And did you, were you showing? If you didn't know I was pregnant, you would have thought I was just gaining weight. Quite a bit. And I had friends that thought that because they didn't know. They didn't and know. like they were saying to my roommate, you know, who was the only one that knew, they'd be like, it's so weird how Lauren's engaged I me. Mean, usually people get thinner. <laughs> and then, but she's not. This just makes me want to cheer God. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's a great the story. The redemption is just. Well, and so what that did for my heart, what Mm -hmm. that did, I can't even really put into words what that did for my heart. But but the best I can say is that I went from hiding everything Mm. to a fault, really, Mm. of just putting it all out there. Like, Mm. this is me, better or worse, you're going to get what you get, like, deal with it. Like, Mm. and, like, (laughs) I'm ready for the correction you know, like I'm so afraid to fail before. Now I know I'm a failure. Like, let's just put it all out there. This is what I'm thinking. Like, I know that's really bad, but like, let's go. And so I would just like, lose. Yeah. Or gain. Right. It was, there was so much freedom. Freedom. Even before we were married, it's not like, Oh, I got married and so everything ended happily. And so I just had this freedom because everything ended happily. Like, no, the freedom came Mm, really when Edie, Mm. And when I told my parents, it came in those steps. Yeah. And I see you extending that same kind of grace. I was so cynical before. I mean, I still am a little bit, but like, I mean, exponentially less, right? Because I just, I didn't even, I had never experienced grace and forgiveness. So then after Mm. that, how can you not extend grace and forgiveness to people? So good. 
So yeah, that that sweet babe was born three months after we got married. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) No wonder you look so young. Because I was so young. It's just so wild because our expectations were so, and we're both performers. Like we're both high expectation typically. I don't know why with motherhood, I was like setting the bar so low so I could just hurdle over it and be like, yes, I'm a winner. Because we would go to those first doctor's appointments and they'd go, you know how they do, they're like four weeks old or six weeks or whatever, and they say, they basically, is he peeing, is he pooping? Okay, he's growing. (laughs) Good. Yay! I was seriously like, where is my Oscar? Like, I am the best mom on the face of the earth. Like, there was no, there was no like, you know, is he on a schedule or is he, I, I, didn't, I can't even fathom what we try to put on ourselves expectation wise as moms. I, oh. I do it now, but I mean, when they were babies, it was like, they lived another day. Like seriously, they're alive. They're on the charts. Oh, that's so great, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, more moms need to have that kind of freedom. Yeah. I love it. It's so funny. So you've already touched on this, but it, do you have one specific answer? Who was one woman who helped shape your character? I'd have to say my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never experienced someone love so selflessly. Mm-hmm. She is also a high achiever and has lots of skills and lots of talent, so much to give and has been an example to me of what it means to die to yourself. She never worked outside the home. And I mean, I remember growing up thinking, she's such a victim, she's such a doormat. Like I remember looking down on her, mm-hmm. like thinking that's, you just threw your life away. Like mm-hmm. you should stand up for yourself and like do this thing and like go use your skills and talents. And it's like now mm-hmm. I look at her and go, you did the much braver it's so much harder. Much harder, much more courageous thing to say that I have all these gifts and talents mm-hmm. and I believe that this is where God has me to, to stay use at home me with my kids. With my kids where I'm never going to be acknowledged. Never feel appreciated. Never going to feel appreciated. Not get paid. In fact, I'm just going to be the opposite. They're going to yeah. disrespect me, rebel against me, hurt me. Hurt me. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm going to pour my entire life into this it's unfathomable to me and I aspire to do that with my children wow right I mean I completely Nikki Mm. was saying this the other day Nikki was saying about how like something about like the uh a child every baby comes into the world you know what I'm about to say looking for someone looking for them them. what an image amazing yeah Kurt Thompson that's yeah, Kurt Thompson. So we'll give him the credit, but Nikki, yeah. you get partial credit. Um, yeah, but like I just, I so like I. There's this passion around that for me, and complete trust that he's going to teach him because he taught me. I love that the spirit did. Yeah, yeah. My mom used to always say this. Um, I'm going to butcher this. Lord help me. It's, it's in Isaiah, which is my favorite book of the Bible, mm. and in Isaiah 54, he talks about. And great will be the peace of your children. Great will be their peace, mm. um, for they are taught by the Lord. It's not up to me. Oh, that's good. To make sure they get X, Y, and Z. Like I have to check this stuff off the list. Going quick before they're out of the house. Like before they don't listen to me anymore. That's like good. Oh, like this, it just makes me like wring my hands and like white knuckle immediately. Oh, that's good. Even talking about it, I'm kind of doing it right now. Like it's just like ah, there's all it sorts of fear angst. and anxiety. Yeah. I remember when our youngest, Layla, was in um, preschool. You know, I mean, you have four kids, and they're spanned out over, like, almost 10 years. It's like I never had any alone time. People are like, oh, are you going to be so sad when she gets on to school? And I was like, are you freaking <laughs> joking me? I'm going to go straight to the bar and have no. I'm kidding. So I remember at that stage telling my mom, you know, Layla's in school. I can't remember now, two or three days a week, just for those, like, three hours a day or whatever it is that she was doing, like a preschool thing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I think I can, I can do this tutoring job um, because that was my major. I ended up majoring in ancient languages. And I wow. Know, so Greek and Latin. And then when I graduated, I taught for a year, 
Latin one year and got pregnant with our second. And then it was like, well, I guess I'm done. So I only had that one job for that one year. So then when Layla was going to preschool, I was like, you know what? I think I could go back and tutor. Like, I love teaching. (laughs) So I was like, I could go tutor. And my mom said, that'd be great. But I want Mm. you to consider, she's like, I'm just telling you that your kids are getting older. Because by then, of course, I had, if Layla was four, Brady was like 14. So there, you know, she was like, your kids are getting older. And as they get into teenage years, she was like, you're going to need more rest than you've ever needed. Because I'd always been a napper. Wow. When they were babies, I would sleep all, like three hours. And if they slept for three hours, I slept for three hours. Like, I'm a sleeper. Me too. I specifically prayed for each one of my children to be sleepers. And God, thank you, gave me That's that awesome. grace. Each child was a sleeper. Anyway, she goes, now that they're getting older, you're going to need even more rest. And she goes, and you're, you're going to have those days where you feel like you have nothing to do all day long, which is like when that three o'clock hour hits, you are going to go, you know, it's like not even nothing until a later bedtime. It's and true. they, when they emotionally need you is at bedtime and you're going to be out cold. And, and it's more draining. And it's more draining in a way you'll, you're not, you know, you haven't yet experienced. It's so true. She was like, I would have you. She's she goes, right. Yeah. She goes, if I were you, I would not get a job. I would make sure that you get your errands done during the day and come home and either sleep or at least put your feet up for one hour. Oh, she goes, and you're going to feel guilty. So wise. Yes. Right? So wow. wise. She goes, you're going to feel guilty. Well, she's 100% right. She goes, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to be like, I'm a drain. I don't do anything around here. She's like, but you are just like a pregnant mother with, you know, you would never feel guilty about resting because you have to help that baby grow. Wow. She goes, you are building up storage like for that, for they're going to come home long and you're going to, yeah, that long stretch of afternoon, evening. She goes, so good. if you have a job that's pulling you, she goes, you won't have the time to rest and you will not be there for your family in the evening the way you want to be. Wow. So I didn't listen to her. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I still have that bit that says, I can get, do that, and this. I hear what you're saying, you sweet old woman. I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. You watch. you still got the job. So I ain't got the job. (laughs) Girl, that cracks me up. Mm. But I did finally quit because she was exactly right. She was exactly right. And I find myself giving moms that advice all the time. I mean, if you're just getting a job just because you want something to do, like, I'll give you something to do. Go home and take a nap. <laughs> that is the <laughs> And best if you can't sleep, advice. start praying for your kids and start praying how God can use you, like, in the evening when, when your kids need you. Wow. Storing up energy. Yeah. That is so brilliant. I still fight the guilt over it, though. Mm. I mean, 100%. If I'm sitting on the couch when my kids come home, I jump up like a kid smoking weed in the closet. You know, it's like, oh, 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 oh. You know? Like they're even like, going to oh, notice. Oh, they're going to catch me, you know, with my Isn't feet up. funny? No. Like they're going to report to like, somebody. Yeah. We're going to report to the rest police. Yeah. Dad, mm. we came home from school and mom had her feet up on the couch. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, every good. other culture just about. Right. Except us. They take a rest. Siesta, nap in the afternoon. And, and in mother, India, they shut down. Like all the shops closed shut down. Shut down, right. For like three hours. As it should be. You eat a lunch with your family. Everybody comes home. Go home. Yeah. Take a nap for, you know, one or two hours. Yeah. And then you go back to work. Yeah. Recharged. Yeah. What a fun interview. Did you love that after her mom shared that sage advice about storing up energy for that long stretch at the end of the day, that my girl still decided to take the job. Wasn't that great? I love that. And that, I got to tell you, is exactly what I would have done. And in fact, did do. Even though I had health issues weighing me down and I never really slept through the night, I woke up at three almost every morning. I was dragging like a ball and chain around me all through those little kid years, but I did precisely the same thing that Lauren did. It's so funny to me when I think back on that. I think as I listen back to this whole conversation, a theme that sort of emerges is humility. It takes a supernatural humility to set aside your ambitions and your goals, to lay down your life, like she said, no matter what that looks like in your life. For you, that might mean 
um, maybe the opposite of what's considered the norm. Maybe you both need to be working for a season, or maybe you're the one who's called to bring home the bacon for now, and maybe your husband's the one staying at home, or maybe you have help coming in from the outside. Whatever it is, it's all about your heart, isn't it? And the story that Lauren shared at the top of the interview about meeting with the dean at her college, wasn't that so riveting? She displayed humility there, too, by just initiating the conversation to begin with. Just think of it. This young student, sure, she is about to be expelled, but she comes out of hiding. She comes forth humbly in repentance. And the dean, Edie, could see the repentance in Lauren's eyes, I'm sure. That whole scene is such a great depiction of Christ. The way Edie got down on Lauren's level, you know, Jesus Christ does that same thing with us, just like that. He came down, he gets on the ground, he grabs hold of your feet, your dusty, filthy feet, and kneels right in front of you. Then he weeps over you and prays over you. Lauren's mom, too. These women are both types of Christ. Both of them had responses to Lauren that were completely the opposite of what she was expecting. In our church, we're studying the book of James right now. James says in his book, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's chapter four, verse 10. You may have already known this. I just learned recently that James was the half brother of Jesus. I just learned this and it it makes the verse even more meaningful to me because Think about it. You know, having an older brother like Jesus, what would that have been like? Always the perfect one, never got in trouble, (laughs) never did anything wrong, right? I wonder if James was always compared to his older brother. Why can't you be more like him? Or I wonder if James compared himself. I will never live up to my older brother. So he may have dealt with some resentment, maybe, I mean, he was human, right? But in the end, he calls himself a bondservant of Christ. And he talks about humbling himself in the sight of the Lord. James made a complete turnaround. Such a profound mystery. Speaking of mystery and being surprised by opposites, wait till you hear the outtakes from today's conversation. My cheeks are still sore because I was laughing so hard. There is a hilarious, hysterical retelling of a text conversation that Lauren had with her youngest daughter, Layla. So go past the outro music and listen all the way to the end. And you're welcome. If you enjoyed this conversation, please pass it on to a friend. That's my ask for the day. Just another way for you to live out love. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back. And we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. Tygo, where are you? Her response, poopy butter. <laughs> she goes, whoops, didn't mean to send that. <laughs> and this is what I text back, but what is it with you, kid? And she goes, poopy butthole. Again. Again. And so I I respond again. Like her sisters had punked her, had gotten into her phone and fixed. There's a thing, you know, where you can fix your auto. I did not know that. Oh, I'll show you. It's such a great prank.